friends, welcome to episode 203 of You'll Think of Something. Just as a reminder of what we're about, uh, this is a podcast that provides a space for focused discussion on how to be a productive, creative person on a team, in your own personal work, and just in your life. My name is Allie Perkins. And I'm a longtime talent professional with loads of experience in facilitation, training design, and program management. And I'm Kara Oropalo. Uh, I'm an animation executive who specializes in training and artistic development uh, with a splash and love of production management <laughs> and the creative process thrown in there. And we talk about a lot of different things on this podcast, um, but like Kara said, they're all about really upping your game in the creative space, in the uh, personal effective space, and just overall um, refining and fine-tuning the ways in which we work. Very well put, Allie. Thank you. Um, okay, so um, first up uh, is our CBB section, which is our could be better section. This helps us cover topics and issues from past episodes that maybe we didn't get quite right. Uh, and we have a couple from our last episode, 202. And they're both mine, which is fine. <laughs> I will 100% take accountability for um, these um, items that I'm going to cover. So the first one is I talked about crediting and debiting um, the emotional bank account in the context of Covey. And I confused uh, the crediting term versus debiting term. And I used them interchangeably a couple of times. Uh, so um, I just wanted to acknowledge that I did confuse the concept of crediting and debiting. But I think that, like, obviously we all got the gist of what it is that you were talking about, right? Um, and just to reiterate for folks, if you haven't listened to 202, um, this concept is that, like, we all have an emotional bank account and uh, it is the daily interactions um, that really matter. And those are the times that we are either crediting that bank account with kind things or uh, debiting that bank account, like removing, you know, when we uh, maybe do things that uh, cause like those, those, the lack of trust or the lack of respect or those kinds of moments in our relationships with others. Yes, exactly. So when you do those things that build up that trust account, uh, that's when you're adding credit. Yes. Cool. Very, very clear. Good yes. job, Allie. <laughs> Good. My MBA is good for something. Um, <laughs> the second item is that when I talked about what I was learning this week, I mentioned the delish cook and creative contributor, uh, June Shi, and I did not mention her last name. So I wanted to make sure that I included that detail. Uh, so her name is June Shi, and um, the last name is spelled X-I-E. For those of you that are interested in um, looking into her live streams or her web communities. Awesome. Thank you, Allie. No, oh, thank you. So uh, today's topic is pitches and presentations. And this is a very natural next step in our season because so much of what makes a successful presentation is understanding who you're communicating with and what they care about. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to episode 202, then we highly recommend you do so before you dive into this one because it's just a good um, 
uh, base layer um, to, that we can build upon. Um, and, and, you know, we, we try not to make our shows too dependent on each other, um, but we would be doing you a disservice if we didn't connect the two shows outright. So check that one out and then come back here. So I think uh, for 202, the big stuff that we wanted to emphasize when we were talking about directional communication is uh, that we are at our best as communicators when we can assess where the other person is coming from. And that really relates to this idea of uh, pitching to someone or presenting to someone, uh, because not only are you trying to persuade someone on your idea, uh, but you are wanting to ensure that that other person hears what it is that you're trying to say. So we've mentioned both pitches and presentations. Um, What's the difference between the two or is there one? That's a good question. I think a pitch is when you have an idea to sell. So like if you're a small business trying to land an account, um, or maybe you're an artist trying to sell your content or your ideas, uh, or maybe you're trying to bring an idea to life that you can't bring to life on your own, like it's not something that you can do on your own, you need collaborators. Um, So you need to get these other people on board with your idea. That makes sense. Um, And a presentation, I guess, can be a couple of things. It can be informational. It can be because you need action from somebody or just need anything, Um, whether that's buy-in, a specific action, money, or just support. Yeah, so there's definitely overlap there, for sure. There's some sort of nice little Venn diagram there for pitches and presentations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My question, to kick us off, really, is, Allie, when you find yourself tasked with creating a presentation, where do you start? Oh, gosh. You know, that's that really makes me think about all of the presentations that I have done in my career. And let me tell you, there are... A lot of them. Um, And it may surprise you that I don't necessarily start with content. Oh. I actually start with logistics. Um, Ah. Yeah, and what I mean by logistics are the... Uh, the details and the context within which I'm giving that presentation. So I think about a couple of things, like how much time do I have and who am I talking to? The level of detail that these individuals as stakeholders actually need. So Mm -hmm. do I need to give them next steps? Do I need to give them an action plan? Do they need to know um, big picture or do they need to be more in the weeds and have um, a much more detailed understanding of whatever concept it is uh, that I am talking about. I also think about the format. Uh, so that can be, you know, am I going to be virtual? Am I going to be in person? Am I going to have a microphone? Am I going mm-hmm. to be just freewheeling it up yeah. at the front of the room? Totally. Um, and and so that is also going to influence the way in which I organize the content. So that can mean anything from uh, making sure that I have a PowerPoint presentation, uh, how I organize that PowerPoint presentation. Sure. It can also uh, mean that I maybe focus the uh, content creation on... It can also mean that I let the group 
lead the discussion. Ah, yes. You know, so I, I can be more of a facilitator versus a presenter. It's really important to understand the logistics of the space, of the audience, and of the... How you want to deliver. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. And and that is going to influence where I start every single time. And the thing is, is I'm still learning all the time from right. other people when it comes to how they interpret what they should do with that logistical information. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, I share a lot of my presentations Uh, and content and approach with my teammates. And so, you know, whenever we finish a presentation for something that we are all working on uh, for our different units, then, you know, we'll just pop it in the chat and we can feel free to take it and, you know, uh, review it ourselves, take what we want from it, leave what we don't. You know, the beauty of uh, starting with that kind of content is that, other people have looked at it and other people Mm. tend to make it better. So where do you start? Uh, I'm the same as you. I got to start with logistics. Mm. I think audience is probably the most important piece for me. Again, going back to directional communication, I like want to think about how these people need to hear and perceive this information. And then whoever is asking me to give this pitch or presentation Um, Whether it's myself or whether I am being hired, for example, to lead a workshop or um, to discuss uh, some like a topic, right, like a training or whatever with a with a a group of people, Um, whoever's hiring me, I'm asking, what is your point here? Like, what do you want me to drive home? Right. Um, Because so often when we're giving presentations, especially in a a workplace situation, um, it's it's not your own idea that you're trying to present. So often the content is like provided by someone else or you're having to wrap the content in a specific way because this like there's a there's you know they're trying to uh, get a specific point across mm-hmm. um so you really want to think about like what is the point here what am i supposed to be emphasizing absolutely and the thing is is like when you have multiple contributors right or um or necessarily like multiple messages that you are yeah. trying to put together in a way that makes sense mm-hmm. uh you really want there to be a clear takeaway for for your audience and and I think that is the crux and the difficulty of organizing a presentation so that you're supporting that outcome yeah for sure of course we have to think about logistics um especially when we are presenting outside of our comfort zone so Mm -hmm. you know like when we're at a conference center do you remember those (laughs) you remember going to hotel and like setting Mm -hmm. up uh, your laptop and, yeah. and then realizing you don't have the right cord. Right. To um, connect always yeah, every time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the concept of logistics can mean so much. And I feel like it's really abstract in a lot of ways. So right. do you think you can give me a rundown of what kinds of questions you can ask yourself to, to make sure that you're hitting all the marks when you're thinking about the most important parts of logistics 
as you create a presentation? Yes, yes, totally. Um, yeah, let's run through some specific questions to ask yourself when you are preparing for any sort of pitch or presentation. Uh, I did not write these. I'm stealing these from Presentation Zen, which is a book uh, by Gar Reynolds um, that actually uh, you can find super cheap online if you're interested in this sort of thing. Can, can I pause for just a second and tell you why I'm laughing? Yeah. It's because, um, you know, training, development, learning, all of these uh, concepts are so... Like there's, there's nothing new, you know, when it it comes to, uh, these professional development, career development concepts, like everything that's been said before has been said before, like that's, that's the thing. And so I'm laughing when you're saying like, oh, I, I totally stole this. Well, like the Zen presentation person probably stole it too. Like, yeah, totally, right? <laughs> and and it's really all about um, putting things together in a way that resonates with people. How you present. Yes. <laughs> I know, it's very meta. Here are the questions to ask yourself. How much time do I have? Because a five-minute presentation is very different than 20 minutes. You know, is there going to be Q&A? Um, Am I allowed to have time to like flex and talk about things afterwards or does everything have to be covered in this time? Can I add something really quickly? Yeah. Yes. When we're talking about how much time do I have, I always subtract at least five minutes. Um, because if you are one of many speakers on an agenda um, and if you're towards the end, uh, then you may not have as much time as you think you're going to have. Yeah. And then I also think- and wait, can I say that's true? Whether it's like a conference, oh, yeah. um, a meeting. Yes. Oh, I'm going to be in this 10 minute chunk in this meeting. Or if you're like a small business and you're going to pitch to like, you know, your uh, your your city council about something. It's oh, you're always going to have less time. Yes, always. Um, and then the other part of that is um, I would spend some time thinking about how controversial your topic is. If you're dropping bombshells left and right in your presentation, you may have more questions, uh, more interruptions uh, Mm -hmm. than if you're just, you know, um, presenting something informational or less controversial. So Mm -hmm. you may think you have 20 minutes uh, to go through a topic, but if the topic is going to cause a commotion, you're probably going to have a lot less time. So how do you think about that ahead of time? Make sure that you get the biggest points across up front so that if right. you, your meeting or your, uh, your presentation gets railroaded, that you have already communicated the most important information. Right. You're sliding into content, so I'm going to pull you back to logistics. Sorry. But I agree entirely. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. That's good. You're right, though. How much time do I have is a loaded question, and you should think about all of these facets for sure. Um, What's the venue like? Um, Is this a 30-person space? Is this a 100-person room? Is this 
uh, a video conference? Um, is it a thing where I can see like all these people react to me and I can see their faces? Or is this like a webinar where I don't get to see anybody's faces and it's just me looking at myself and my content, right? Like, what does that mean? Um, the venue also is going to um, inform some of the technical questions that Ali brought up earlier, right? Like, do I have the chords? How am I presenting? Is there time to practice beforehand? Is there time to do a tech check? All of those things. What time of day will I be speaking? I mean, this matters so much, right? Like, is your pitch or presentation early on in the day? Is it right before lunch when everybody's antsy? Is it at the end of the day when everyone's exhausted? Or like we were saying, do you have a piece within a meeting and you're at the beginning of the meeting or you're at the end of the meeting? These sorts of things really matter. Um, I will tell you a sort of gossipy story. I'll try to be discreet. Um, there is an executive um, in animation who is no longer working at the company where this behavior happened um, that everyone would have to plan uh, their pitches around um, this person's drinking and basically like how at what point during the day would this person be sober and at what point point during the day would this person be cranky because they hadn't had anything to drink and that greatly affected the time that they had with this person. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen to everybody. I'm just saying you don't know what time of day I will be speaking, what that means. But but you know what? I, I, I think that you're referencing alcoholic beverages. Um, <laughs> but this can also um, play a part in if it's first thing in the morning, has everyone had their coffee? Yeah. Totally. Yes. Um, if it's in the middle of the afternoon or like towards the end of the afternoon, is everyone hungry because yeah. you know they maybe they didn't get a chance to eat lunch and right and so like I really do think that we have to think about those like our biological clocks yeah you know totally. when we're and and just um the cadence of of everyone's day you know especially when I have executives who start their days super super early and yeah. do you really want to be pitching to them at 4.30 in the afternoon? Mm -hmm. No, because mm -hmm. they've had a whole day of activity, you yeah. know, already, and their cup is full, right? Yeah, they're not going to be able to pay attention to you. No, you know what? And, and I'm not going to expect them to either. Conversely, yeah. and I think I, I mentioned this in our, our meetings episode, um, if I want to try to get something through undeterred, sometimes I will put something at the end of the day or at the end of the meeting when it's like the person is so exhausted they won't be able to put up a fight anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so just something else to think about. You know what, that is that is such a great point. Like when people um, schedule things for like Friday at 3.30 and I'm like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing yeah, here. You're just yeah. trying to get me to say yes to this I'm, idea. I'm going to say yes because Friday's new task is Monday's problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'll say yes to anything because I don't right. have to do it till next week. <laughs> Allie's coworkers take note. <laughs> they have. Um, yeah, right. Um, next question, who is the audience and what is their background? And this is incredibly important if you are pitching um, a new idea or if you are, for example, a vendor or a small business that's pitching what you do. Um, and if this person's looking to hire you, 
they probably don't have much experience in your field and that's why they need to hire you to do it. Um, and so you need to make sure that you're thinking about speaking to them in layman's terms or not assuming that they know the basic information. Conversely, if you are meeting with um, certain high level people in a company, um, you know, you don't want to be perceived as like, you don't want to talk down to them, right? So you don't want to waste time talking about basics that they already know about. Yeah, that's a, a really good, um, that's a really good summary of what is appropriate to include um, yeah. and what might not be. Because I hadn't really right. thought about the ways in which your expertise can come across as maybe being condescending even or mm -hmm, distracting mm -hmm. from the, the message itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, next, uh, why was I asked to speak, which I kind of hit on earlier, right? Like thinking about why am I here? What's my purpose? Um, which then leads to what do I want them to do? Like what's their takeaway? What's the action item coming out of this? Is it I want them to buy my product? Is it, I want the green light on this project? Is it, I need uh, another, I need another person on my team and I want them to agree to that hiring step? Like think about what it is that you want that person to do, what you want them to do after your pitch or presentation is over and make sure that it is very clear that that is the ask. Yes, and um, I find that it's helpful uh, to know whether or not you can send the presentation to the group or audience uh, mm -hmm. after the actual like time slot, I guess, or the actual time that you're presenting um, because people get a lot of asks all day. Yeah. And so um, to be prepared uh, as part of it is like, can I even send it out? is yeah. part of the logistics, right? Is this something that I can organize in a way that makes sense to people, um, even if I'm not there orating right. in front of it? Can I save it off as a PDF and email it to them afterwards? Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, what visual medium is most appropriate for this? Um, I mean, for Allie and me, it's like PowerPoint all the time. <laughs> yeah, I live that um, PowerPoint life. Yeah, we live that sweet PowerPoint life. Mm -hmm. um, however, like you can, uh, although I do feel strongly about showing up to a presentation with a cohesive, like branded content sort of look, right? Um, as opposed to like pulling up random files and what have you, like a, like a PowerPoint or a keynote or a Google Slides allows you to take all this raw data and put it into a nice, beautiful place. Um, but I will admit that there are other ways to do it. I'm open to it. Let 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 me know what that is. <laughs> like for like two seconds, it was Prezi. Remember Prezi? Oh my gosh, my students still try to use Prezi. I'm like, no, we're not doing this. No, <laughs> like, no those crazy sorry. transitions. What? <laughs> no, it is no longer 2016. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um. What is, oh, but I will say for visual medium, the reason that this is important is, um, again, if you're pitching an idea that is relatively esoteric, um, that might be difficult for people unless they see a video that shows 
the um, product being used or um, audiences reacting to content or something like that. Or, or again, if in my line of work in animation, if they can see a character animated, like, oh, I can see this little slice, this example, and that helps me to understand what it is that you're, you're coming to me with. Okay, so after you've gotten through uh, this list of questions, after you've nailed down some of these really important logistics, then you can actually focus on the content, what it is that you're talking about. Um, so, Allie, do you have thoughts on um, how to organize your content and how to identify what it is that you should be sharing? Absolutely, I do. Uh, <laughs> Tell us all the thoughts, Allie. <laughs> I will. I will. And I think um, that first and foremost, um, we spend a lot of time with the content for our presentations. And so to us, we have um, thought about it and processed it in a lot of different ways. And so I think it's imperative to really consider how familiar your audience is with the content, if it's the first time that they're seeing it or if it is a reiteration of a message um, when you are deciding how to organize it because you want to organize it in a way in which your your audience can learn it. And that's to say that they can build on the concepts and information in a way that makes sense uh, so that they can fit the pieces of the puzzle together. And that's going to make your ask um makes sense, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. So you've really mm -hmm. got to think about um, giving them a whole picture in a way that's not too much to digest in one sitting, mm -hmm. if that's your intention. So um, every presentation should contain a couple of key elements. Uh, the first one, I would say, is the introduction. And that's just setting the scene. It's what are we here for today? And, and who am I? And who am I? That's true. And why right? should you listen to me? Right. You know? Yeah. What authority do I have to be speaking to you on this and asking you to, to do something at all? Right. Mm -hmm. The second part is the elevator pitch. And I don't want introduction and elevator pitch to get confused. Mm -hmm. Um. I think the elevator pitch is really about the value that you're mm -hmm. going to get out of spending the time with the content and the messaging. Um, and this is a little bit different than, hi, my name is Allie Perkins, and this is what I'm here to do today. Uh, the elevator pitch should be concise. I would say that when you're talking about the reason you are here and what that individual or group will get out of your presentation, you should make it under two minutes. Totally. Uh-huh. And, and I think, uh -huh, go ahead. oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Um, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think that you need, um, one of my favorite quotes from Diana Boer is, if you can't write your message in a sentence, you can't say it in an hour. And so that's what we're looking for here, right? Yes. Yes. And you want, right. And you want someone to be able to, if, if this person walks out of your presentation and they go to lunch with someone and that person says, oh, what was that about? 
this is the line they can say. This is the 30-second thing that they can say that will say this is what the presentation was about. Yes, it is a summary Mm -hmm. of what you are going to be talking about. And it should hit all of the high points. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, complete. that's a great way to put it. Um, The third thing is objectives and goals, which are catered to the audience. And I cannot emphasize this enough. This is going to help you direct the audience um, so that they understand how they're supposed to be using the content. Mm-hmm. Um, you can give the same presentation over and over again, but the audience really does need to understand what they specifically need to be taking away so that they can leverage the information that you're sharing in the right ways. Yeah, I think that uh, this, as, as people become more experienced with uh, pitching and presenting, this piece becomes even more important because they start to recognize that uh, the information uh, that you're trying to convey can be the same, but I'm going to wrap it differently, just slightly differently based on who it is that's listening to this. Delivering information like that, you know, in a school, like uh, the tests, the test scores were low, delivering that information to parents, teachers, and students. You're, you're all saying the same content, but the way in which you deliver that content to those people is going to be very different. The ask, the reaction, the um, use of that. The data, use of that information yeah, is, is going to be totally different for these different audiences. Uh, the next piece is making sure to define the ask. Yeah, I guess we we talked about this a little bit before, but this is where we really get into um, what is it that I'm coming to you with today or for? Yeah. Why are we why are we here? Yeah, exactly. And so that's going to give the audience um, a framework um, from which to digest that information. Mm -hmm. So I am using all of this data to be able to understand what I'm supposed to do next. Um, And it is so important to be able to clearly define that ask uh, Mm -hmm. so that people understand what they're committing to um, before, you know, you leave the room or before you meet certain timelines, or, you know, before you commit to certain timelines. Um, And, and it's, it's ultimately, um, what you're trying to get people to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next part uh, is kind of the meat of the the content, and that's the methods, project plans, and the execution. So what are you going to do to support them, to help them execute on this process? What is the content at its core that you are trying to deliver? This can be visuals, this can be text, this could be all sorts of um, just information. Um, And it's really what stands on its own, I would say, right? Like, like this is just what you're wanting to communicate. So your message, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of this is like, is project planning. So much of this is, here's how long it's going to take. 
um, I'm asking for this much money and it's going to be divided into these three buckets. Um, here's how many people are going to be on the project, like that kind of information. This is how it's going to impact you. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, the resources, all of that stuff. So these are the details. Uh, yeah. And then I think the next piece is something we don't always think about, um, but I think has become increasingly important for me when I think about how I balance my corporate support work. So I'm not actually doing um, the business work, right? Like I'm doing more administrative uh, work. Um, how do I balance timing for mm. my business units who are making money, right, for the organization? And and Like why am I making this ask now? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah that's why exactly is this happening right. right now? What is the timing? Why is it important that we do it now? Please let me give you some context around that so that you can help that audience prioritize. Yeah. And that is, I mean, half of what we do is just prioritizing in our day, in our calendars, in our strategies. Um, mm-hmm. And so you've really got to give them the understanding of why now, why am I asking you to do this now um, so that your audience can understand the criticality? Yeah, that's really important. Like this is like, if we don't get this extra person, if we don't get this extra funding, if we don't get this through X is going to happen. And you were just talking about impact. I think this is a really good place to also um, really bring home that point of like, here's how it impacts you. If you don't do what I'm proposing. Absolutely. Um, and then last but not least, the conclusion. And um, really with the conclusion, you just need to wrap up your messaging, reinstate, um, you should restate the ask, uh, you should give any additional contextual information, even your contact information again in your conclusion, yeah. uh, just so that people can reach out with questions. And also, a conclusion is so important for people to understand that it's the end. Yeah, so true. I'm done now. (laughs) I'm done now. You can ask your questions. Um, And so it's really important to have that um, have that part of your presentation be clearly determined so that you can turn that corner in in the in the time you have with your audience. So we'll include this in the in the show notes, but just to run through those again really quickly, we're saying every presentation should contain an introduction, elevator pitch, a, objectives and goals catered to an audience, what's the ask, methods and project plans, why now, and your conclusion. I think something that's really important to remember in all of this, like I think as we go through all of this, it could be really overwhelming to people to be like, oh my gosh, like I just wanted to like tell people about my idea. And and we're not looking to overwhelm you with information. We're trying to give you a framework, right, to hang your hat on. Um, but I think the thing that's what's, what's really important to remember is that when you do get up to speak or when you are presenting, nobody knows what you were going to say. Like, nobody knows what was written down or what your plan was. They only know what you actually say out loud. And that can be a really wonderful thing. It, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Yeah. There's a, there's a Dale Carnegie quote that 
that really brings this message home for me. There are always three speeches for every one you actually gave. The one you practiced, the one you gave, and the one you wish you gave. And isn't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, But they only hear the one you gave. I know. I know. But the one I practiced was really good, too. And, and the one that I wished I'd given? Oh, my gosh. That was perfect. Um, and so I, I think that that's a, a good um, a good way to segue into talking about stage fright or just that yeah. like anxiety that you get when you're in the moment or when you're not a hundred percent confident in your message or you're, I mean, for me, it's being new in my role and not knowing what kinds of questions to mm-hmm. expect from my audience. Right. And yeah. I, I mean, the best way to conquer that stage fright, I think is to know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Um, I totally agree. Practice the shit out of what it is that you're going to say. Yes. Yes. And feel like you know it inside and out so that if someone asks you a question about the data, about the information, that you're like, I know this. Yes. I've got this. Absolutely. And and I think that this is um, one of the ways in which um, I have worked with a lot of detail-oriented individuals. And I find, it, it's so funny, I find one of these people in almost every one of my major stages of my career or my academic life. And, um, it's funny because I'm a very big picture person Mm -hmm. and, and so the people I tend to gravitate towards are the ones that, um, really pride themselves in being conscientious around, Mm. um, like kind of the smaller, um, details. It's the yin and yang situation. Yes, it absolutely is. And I find these people to balance me and I feel like it it makes my work better. Once I learned how to take feedback and once, you know, I was able to set, um, not boundaries, but I was able to set expectations with them as well. Right. And yeah, because if you practice this speech with that kind of person, then they're going to come back to you and be like too big picture alley or, but what about this? But what about this? But what about that? Right. And then you find some sort of balance in between those two. Exactly. And so when you have someone that you trust like that and can give you insight in that way, take advantage of it. And if they will work with you to practice your presentation, um, they will ask the hard questions yeah. Before you're in front of it, the audience and you get asked the yeah. hard questions. Um, yeah. And it's really the best way to prepare. Yes. Um, and the other you're thing so is, right. is like I encourage people to write out their presentations in a way that feels natural to them. Yeah. Um, don't. When we're talking about content, do not put everything on the slide. No one's oh, going to read it. Yeah. No one's going to read it. You have got to put the highlights and visuals up on the slide. Um, words, phrases, um, you know, things that you want people to be able to process quickly. Yeah. Um, your message should really be in your words. And, and I absolutely do not ever want to see a PowerPoint presentation be somebody's script. Oh, gosh. I see this so often from students and I'm like, oh gosh, guys, no. And it's so disappointing because the thing is, is if you've practiced, you know your message, you've internalized it, you can speak to it. So you have to find that confidence in yourself to be able to rely on your knowledge to guide you. At best, 
your PowerPoint should be your outline. Yeah. It should be your prompt. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, that is, if I could give everyone just one piece of information or like one piece of advice, that would be it. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So in summary, what Allie and I are trying to say here is number one, consider your logistics. Number two, follow our flow for delivering content. And number three, practice, practice the shit out of your presentation in front of other people. So important. Very important. Um, If you want to go check out other pitches online, I mean, obviously YouTube is full of them. I recommend looking at Shark Tank pitches. Um, I know that there are a lot of bad Shark Tank pitches out there. But there are also a lot of really great Shark Tank pitches, and it's such great 101 for, like, this is the information, this is the idea, and here is the very clear ask on what it is that I want. And, and of course, um, check out TED Talks. So you can find all sorts of um, short, uh, short short-focused, Uh, conversations about new and creative topics and approaches to old problems uh, through TED Talks. Um, You can go to the TED Talks website. You can go to YouTube. Um, And I think the the beautiful thing about, uh, about TED Talks is that the individuals, when they're tapped to give a TED Talk, um, they are working within certain parameters, much like Shark Tank. Um, but, but just more highbrow. Yeah, it, you're right. It's, it's, it, it is more highbrow. And the impact, I think, is a little bit different, right? The ask is a little mm-hmm. bit different. Um, and so it's really interesting to see how also people use their visuals in TED mm-hmm. Talks, if they choose mm-hmm. to have them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, see some people who are, you can tell they're natural orators mm-hmm. if they're up there. And some people aren't, but their ideas mm-hmm. are really good. And so it's a really neat place to see what kind of strategies people use for different kinds of messaging um, yeah. and and how they can leverage their strengths uh, to be able to uh, to be able to pitch to an audience a really big idea in a really small amount of time. Oh, that's good. All right. So, um, what are you learning this week, Kara? Um, This week, I've been learning about um, a super exciting conference that I just got invited to attend. Okay. Um, Yes. um, It has the best name in the world. It's called uh, Trojan Horse Was a Unicorn. Oh, my God. Please tell me more about this. (laughs) T-H-U for short. Uh Um, And I will include a link in our show notes. Um, But the website is Trojan uh, dash unicorn.com. And the idea of this conference is that it brings together creatives um, to really connect. Um, and and it's, it's one person described it to me as like TED Talk meets Burning Man um, with maybe a little less drugs, which I'm like all about. So I'm very excited to share that I have um, been made a knight 
at this year's Trojan Horse was a unicorn, which means that I get to attend the event and give some talks and be available as a resource and networking resource um, and just, um, you know, hopefully mentor and guide for uh, other creators who will be coming. So I'm really, really excited about this. This sounds so cool. So wait, yeah. is it is it in person? So it's in person. Um, it's going to be in Portugal. Um, and we will all be there together. They didn't get to do it in person last year, so everybody's very excited to do it together this year. This is so incredible. You must be so excited. I'm so excited. You're going to get to go to Portugal. I know. And you're going to get to do, like, this sounds like a lot of fun. This sounds like so exactly the kind of, like, academic meets professional meets creative space that you yeah. really thrive in. Yeah, it's really amazing. Um, so what they talk about, the reason why they, they say that the, their goal is to connect with a community of creators who share the same values, um, who want to meet on a platform where they can share knowledge and inspire and empower each other. And I am like here for all of that. So I'm really excited and I promise I'll keep everybody updated um, on how the actual event goes. Uh, lots of social media posts and all that good stuff. Absolutely. I am so excited for you, Kara. Like this Thank is, you. This is awesome. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week, I learned about a really cool plugin for Google Chrome. And so if you're using the Chrome browser, um, you can download a plugin called SessionBox. And in my role, I do a lot of user uh, acceptance testing, or what you'll hear referred to as UAT. And in UAT, a lot of the times I am testing from multiple user IDs, which means that sometimes I'm testing as a manager, or sometimes I'm testing as a team member, or sometimes I'm testing as an administrator. And instead of having to sign out of each one of these personas and then sign back in as another persona, this plugin allows you to have multiple sessions running on different tabs within the same browser window. Amazing. Now, if that wasn't enough, okay, also allows you to be able to share sessions with others, which means that you don't have to give them your user credentials and password in order for them to see the same screen that you're seeing. And this can be so useful for so many reasons. Uh, and I can see so many uses for it in terms of academia, in terms of um, IT. IT, yes. And, yeah. and also helping your coworker troubleshoot certain yeah. things. I mean, it's basically screen sharing, you know, to the max. Uh, yeah. And so I, I'm really, really um, excited that I learned about this tool. So if you're interested or want to try it out, yeah, Google Session Box and add it to your Chrome browser. Well, Kara, um, thank you so much for sharing your expertise around presentations. I'm super excited for you to go to Trojan Unicorn Land. 
And Trojan horse is a unicorn. <laughs> I I'm I think that um, you're gonna have a lot of fun, and I think that um, the people that are going to get to meet you there and learn from you there are very very lucky, just like all of our oh. listeners. Oh, thank you so much, and Allie, thank you so much for sharing all of your expertise. I mean, seriously, I feel like seventy percent of Allie's job is creating presentations and convincing people to do things through presentations. So she truly is an expert in this field. Like literally all I do. <laughs> like, here's the thing I'm doing. You should get on board. <laughs> it's fun over here. Yay. Thanks for listening to You'll Think of Something. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of You'll Think of Something. Just as a reminder, the views expressed in this podcast are the personal thoughts and feelings of the hosts and do not reflect those of their affiliated workplaces or larger organizations. To find more resources from the show, visit ytos-podcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at ytos.podcast. And please email us with feedback or with suggestions for future shows at ytos.podcast at gmail.com. And remember, don't worry, you'll think of something.